0: Dear friends, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Let's ask God to bless the preaching of his word. We pray. Heavenly Father, accomplish the purpose for which you send your word. Work in our hearts and in our lives. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And so again, good morning church family and all our visitors here. It is a good, good day. And I kind of like today because actually my job is made a little bit easier. Um, The best preachers today will not be by me. (laughs) We're going to hear from eight young people uh, confessing their faith in Jesus and and how wonderful he is. And we're going to recognize, once again, what we believe in this Christian church. Some of the things we believe in this Christian church, you'll hear, is that the word is powerful. The Bible has a way of directing and guiding us through this life. What we'll hear is that we believe God has good plans for us, better than our own plans. What we'll hear is God's call to compassion, to forgive and to love other people. The words of our confirmands, and what we'll hear is there is amazing grace in Jesus Christ. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were unlovable, He loved us. And it's important to state what we believe. It's important maybe for you to wrestle with what you believe, because I believe we live in a culture where there's many things you could believe. In fact, that's why we're doing this series. There's a lot of spirituality, but not always a lot of clarity over what we should believe in a world of many things we could believe. In fact, a very common sentiment is that, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe because, you know, they they all lead whatever path to the same destination. Have you ever heard something like this? It's something actually that Gandhi said. Uh, Gandhi, uh, let me bring him up, he put it this way. He said the various religions are like different roads converging on the same point. What difference does it make if we follow different routes, provided that we all arrive at the same destination? It's a very popular understanding. In fact, sometimes people picture it this way. Let's say that God is on the top of a mountain, and the different religions out there are just options on, on ways to get to God. And so you could choose Hinduism, which has a belief in many gods and Jesus being just one of them. Islam, founded by Muhammad and follow the five pillars. Or Christianity, doesn't really matter. They all lead to the same destination. In fact, because this is so common, uh, you might have even heard someone say, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere about it. You heard this? And I just want to dive into that a little bit. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere about it. Well, I want to give a silly illustration. I don't know if there's any NBA fans. Um, uh, there was an NBA draft, and, and people are, are hoping to get this player named Zion Williamson. And the Pelicans just erupted because they got the number one draft pick. And, and the reason that everyone is so excited about that number one draft pick is there's a firm belief, the belief that this guy is a game changer. That this is the next Jordan, this is the next LeBron, right? He is going to transform whatever franchise, sorry Bulls, we didn't get him, um, but he's going to again win the day. Let's explore faith in a draft pick. I don't know if there are any Packer fans here. That's, that's one, Meredith, that's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad I know it's in Bears country so I'm gonna pick on Packer fans then anyway uh, Packer fans had a lot of hopes for the 1989 draft they had the number two draft pick and they passed by Barry Sanders don't know if you heard of him they passed by Troy Aikman they passed by Deion Sanders some pretty big names for this guy do you know his name I had to try to remember that name it's Tony Mandridge and he's just recently come back on the news as being a, a kind of poster boy for the bigger, biggest bust in draft lottery, drafting history. So, sorry, Packer fans. Um, and there were a lot of hopes. There were a lot of sincere beliefs based on what he could do. And, and so sincerity is a good thing. But we need more than sincerity. Sincerity. I think when we come back to our discussion of religion, we really need to ask the question, where does it all lead, and what does it all mean? And so we get into the word of God, and, and today again we discuss the things Jesus never said, and he never said it doesn't matter what you believe. Gandhi maybe, culture maybe, Jesus, no. In fact, uh, we were having some homework, and you can take your sheets out. Our, our homework is on the back of your sheets. Um, and, and some of you may have read those, those, those homework assignments and heard from Isaiah. And, and in Isaiah, we hear God saying, you know, it does matter what you believe. And if you're worshiping a false god, it leads somewhere. In Isaiah 44, uh, we heard this, that, that such a person who follows after a false god feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? If you have a hope in something that cannot save, you'll be more disillusioned than a Packer fan. (laughs) I didn't know what that would get, but all right. So does it matter what we believe? Yeah, it does. And I don't propose to be a guru for every other path out there. And I I know that we should respect those around us and talk about Jesus in a gentle way um, with respect to to various uh, experiences. But what I want to do in these moments then is just simply proclaim, what did Jesus say? And what might a path in Jesus lead to? Is that fair? What did Jesus say? And what does a path in Jesus lead to? So our confidence comes from the Word of God. We're going to turn to the Bible now. We do believe that God has preserved this Word miraculously so we can trust in it. And you can follow along either in your worship folder or on the screen in front of you from John chapter 14. Uh, There it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That could be any day with all the rain and storms we've had, and I'm thinking, like, he has to be coming back tomorrow, right? Um, But it's a hope. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Powerful words from Jesus, aren't they? This is what Jesus did say. Uh, Could you do me a favor and turn to the person next to you and tell them he's preparing your place. He's preparing your place. I recognize we live in a world where there's a lot of information that can trouble us. In fact, uh, sometimes I just avoid turning on the news because I don't want to hear anything more that will trouble me. Ignorance is bliss. But every now and then you can't avoid hearing things that that trouble you. And, And something that I heard recently has to do with Roundup weed killer. Now, just curious, has anyone used Roundup weed killer? Yeah. And then you may have heard that there is a $2 billion lawsuit against Roundup for a herbicide they're using called Glossophate, which is linked to causing cancer. That's disturbing because I worked on a grounds crew using Roundup and uh, yeah, I might have come in contact with glossophate, this cancer-causing chemical. What's also even more troubling, um, and I'll let you search this, is that glossophate is found in various foods that we eat. Um, So you're welcome for that terrible news this morning. Sometimes I turn on the news and I hear of awful homicides in Chicago Hear the weather report, and we're getting more rain or snow. And there are many things out there that can trouble you. But what I really wrestle with and, and what drives me deeper are the things in here that trouble me, things in my own personal life. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been troubled by your age. Uh, today I have a daughter being confirmed, and it truly is uh, wow, incredible how fast time flies. Um, maybe you're troubled at times by circumstances. Will things ever get better? You know, spiritually speaking, one of the biggest things that can trouble us is our conscience. See, we all have a code of morality built into us. And I don't know if you've ever had these experiences of guilt and shame and and wondered, how do I get past this? In fact, something we recognize at Amazing Love is that each one of us is imperfect. We're all sinners broken by all the things we've thought, said, and done that were against God's will. And so we all have had maybe experiences with a troubled conscience. You know, that's why I love what Jesus says this morning. As he starts off his lesson to his disciples and to us, what does he say? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And if you want to know where faith in Jesus leads to, your first takeaway is this, that in Jesus we have peace for a troubled conscience. And here I do believe it is different than every other religion and every other path. Because the path for peace in every other religion is the word do. Do something. Follow the five pillars. Be a really, really good person. Follow the ceremonial law. Worship these gods. Do is what's described for every other path of salvation. If we're ever wrestling with the do, we know sometimes we have not done enough. We've been imperfect. Which is why I love Jesus. Because following him, that word is done. Everything that needed to be done for our salvation was accomplished as Jesus died, and he said, it is finished. And that is the true path for peace. That through his death, we have forgiveness. Through his life, we are credited righteousness. And through his resurrection, we know that salvation is accomplished once for all. In fact, I love how another Bible commentator put it. Uh, He said this, In his law-fulfilling life, curse-bearing death and death-defeating resurrection, Jesus has entirely accomplished for sinners what sinners could never in the least do for themselves. The banner under which Christian lives, the Christian lives, reads, it is finished. And I don't know about you, but this word, it's a game changer. To know everything is done, to know that you can walk out this morning and know that you are completely right with God. To know that salvation is accomplished, it changes everything. It changed a Samaritan woman who went to her friends and started evangelizing, said, come see Jesus. He told me everything I had ever done. It changed a man named Peter who was a coward at one time, but reinstated and became courageous, confessing Jesus wherever. It changed a man named Zacchaeus who heard of all that Jesus had done and, and wanted to change his life, gave back everything he stole. And it changes us. In fact, one of the things I hope it changes is your sense of peace. That no matter what you're bearing, if you're coming in with a troubled conscience, you can hear Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will finally give you rest. Rest is ours in Jesus. This word is such a game changer that eight young people are saying, Jesus, you're so good, I want to follow you throughout the rest of my life. But I need to talk more about where faith in Jesus leads. I'm just wondering, is anyone familiar with home remodeling? I don't have a project going on right now. I know the trendy colors are white and gray. We still have old colors. We're not trendy. But um, uh, I know all the time and the work that can go into home renovations. I also know how HGTV has changed everything. Chip and Joanna Games. Has anyone been to Magnolia Farms? Um, it's amazing what you can do when you put in the grunt work, the sweat equity, in transforming a place. In fact, one of Chip and Joanna's is here. Look at this kitchen to that kitchen. Wow, right? What I love about what Jesus is saying, where faith in him leads to, is this very familiar passage if you grew up in church. He said, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Now, some of you may have heard the King James version of this. And you might know that my father's house has many, do you remember the other word? Mansions. Which to me is a big difference. (laughs) Right? If I get a room versus a mansion. So, because I love you, I did some research on what does the word mean. And and the Greek word is actually the word moné. And I thought you could help me out today by just telling me, show me the moné. Can you say that? (laughs) Show me the moné. I would love to show you the moné. Moné actually... um, Sorry, that's really bad. Um, It actually just means a place to stay, a dwelling or an abode. And and when Jesus describes it, more more than, you know, room and mansion are are the pictures of heaven he gives us. Uh, For example, uh, he pictures a feast, which some confirmants might have. And in this feast, he says, uh, in the words of Isaiah, it's a feast of rich people for all people. Rich, rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. How awesome is that feast? He, he talks about the ornateness of that city to come. In Revelation, we hear of streets of gold, much better than shiplap. I, I don't know what it actually means, but it's going to be good. What, what I get geeked out upon is reading from Genesis that he made what we see in six days, and he's going to prepare a place, and he's been gone 2,000 years Working on that one. So I think he's going to wow us. But I think Job maybe put it best. When it comes to that place, you want to be geeked out and excited? It's about seeing Jesus, it's about knowing what true love is really like. It's about being enveloped in that love, driving away every insecurity, any doubt, any fear that we may have had. How awesome is what God is preparing? So where does faith in Jesus lead? In Jesus, we have an eternal dwelling prepared for us. He makes it very, very clear that's what he's doing right now. But you may have some questions. And you might be sitting there in a moment of clarity saying, Pastor, how can I really believe this? How can I know that these hopes are really true? That's why I love how in the scripture Thomas is included. Uh, We know Thomas uh, as doubting Thomas. And look what what Thomas says. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Thomas here, he clarifies it's okay to have questions. It's okay to walk with God and still have doubts and and the need to dig in uh, because you don't get it all yet and your faith is not made complete. I don't know if you've ever been there. But how do we get a point from uncertainty to a point of clarity and confidence? Let's talk about that a little bit. Today reminds me of my own Confirmation Sunday. Uh, I grew up as a pastor's kid, and and for me, there was a part that was terrifying. Uh, We had an examination service. And as a pastor's kid, I had to get all the answers right. They would quiz you on anything from Luther's catechism, and if you did not have that in perfect memory, boy, would you hear about it. Um, and, and, and I remember then memorizing much of Luther's catechism. In fact, if you've ever memorized parts of the catechism, could you just raise your hand? I know you're with me. Yeah, yeah, you're with me. All right. And one of the things that I, I remember memorizing is Luther's explanation to the articles, uh, to the Apostles' Creed, to who God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is. And I love how Luther explained uh, the Holy Spirit. Maybe this rings a bell for some of you, uh, freshen back up what you had memorized. Luther said, I believe that I cannot, by my own thinking or choosing, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians where it says, no one can confess Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 2, how he makes a dead thing alive by the power of his love. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. Calling me by the gospel reminds me of baptism, where again, when we could do nothing, he does everything through the washing of rebirth and renewal. The gospel which we hear every Sunday through an absolution, the forgiveness of sins, or Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, which we get in the Lord's Supper, the true forgiveness, the body and blood of Christ. But what really leapt off the page for me is this. That in this Christian church, he daily and fully forgives sins to me and all believers. The church. There's power in a Christian church. There's power in a group of Christians getting together and saying we want to see Jesus. To to let you know how that affects your confidence, I wanted to refer a little bit about my golf game. And if you'd go with me, uh, permission here. Uh, My golf game is not so good. On Easter, I reported that I averaged a 136, which is not good at all. But good news, friends, I have updated, and now I uh, just shot a 109. So I am on my my way if I make improvements like that to a green jacket soon. I know. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. But what I'm recognizing is that the more I show up, the more I get used to my driver, the more I carry out the 7-iron, the more muscle memory comes back to me, And the more confidence I have in my golf game. I hit two out of nine fairways the other day. That was awesome. If you keep showing up, and you might know this not only about golf, but other sports, maybe it's hockey, maybe it's baseball. It's interesting how more confident you can have when it comes to what you're doing and how you feel about it. Go with me here. When you just keep showing up to a Christian church, when you hear on the regular That your sins are forgiven through an absolution. When you see a baptism and remember your own, how God called you. When you receive the Lord's Supper, it's not muscle memory, it's spiritual memory. That He is now working to renew, to confirm, or or sometimes even create faith. Nowhere else there was only doubt. There is power in a Christian church. In fact, this is what I believe that in a Christian church, we have resources to renew our faith. And so I don't know where this lands for you. Maybe there are some people today who really are doubting the faith, who really have a ton of questions, more than just the afterlife. Can I propose something for you? Find a Christian church. Show up regularly to hear the Word of God expounded on. Read the Bible, receive the Lord's Supper. And I believe over time we will have what we need to be confident about what Jesus says. Because what I believe is that it does matter what we believe. You know, to close, this has never been more clear to me than what happened at Amazing Love this past week. This past week, Bill Krakowski, one of our members, entered home hospice on Monday. It was called Home to Heaven, on Friday. Bill Krakowski, just over a year ago with his wife, joined Amazing Love. And I still remember sitting in their living room for starting point class, and Bill telling me, we we never dug into the Bible based on my other church experience. I never heard stuff like this. It was just over a year ago, I was able to baptize Shirley and and give that, that, that grace, the washing of rebirth and renewal. And as I was standing by his bedside, As I was saying Psalm 23 and seeing him smile at the voice of his Savior, as I was meeting with the family and told them about that place prepared, it was never clear to me that it truly does matter what we believe and how glad I am to know Jesus. Because with him there is a way, there is truth, and there is life. May the Spirit sink this message in your soul. May you continue to show up regularly, hear it often so you have confidence, and may it give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. And so the moment has come, and uh, we have the opportunity to hear again uh, the faith of Jesus uh, that they've learned in our Axis class based on Luther's catechism. And I told our group that there is no lose in the Church of God, that we're on their, their side, and uh, they have a chance again to proclaim in their own words who Jesus is and what, they, what he means to them. So I'm going to call up first uh, Ryan Witt um, and Ryan Witt's Confession of Faith. Here you go, Ryan.
1: All humans are different. Isn't that amazing? Yet we all have one thing in common. We all have sinned. Paul tells us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person ever deserves nothing but hell. All but one. Jesus, who is called faithful and true, who judges and wages war with justice, whose eyes are like fire and on whose head are many crowns. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was 100% God. Born of the Virgin Mary, he was 100% human. Jesus came to earth. God came to a place of chaos full of billions of absolute failures. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He gave himself up to Roman soldiers who were experts at torture and war. He let evil men spit in his face and whip and insult him. He was crucified, died, and was buried. They pounded nails through his hands and feet. But that's not even the worst part. He was punished for every sin anybody has ever committed. He carried that guilt on his shoulders. He took my sin. He took it and put it on his shoulders and died with it. He carried it away and abolished it forever. That means that all of my sin is gone forever and I can live guilt free. It means that I can live without fearing death and know that whatever I do isn't good enough and that God forgives me for that. The story doesn't even end on that cross. That story gets better and better. Jesus physical body was dead for three days he descended into hell he went to hell not because that's what he deserved rather because he knew rather because he was making it clear to Satan that he was victorious he went to hell and made sure that the devil knew that he was God and that he was the winner and that the devil had lost for good we read in Genesis 315 you will crush his head and he will strike your heel Jesus lived the death of a human and died the death of a monster, but that was just a strike at his heel, and in doing so, he crushed the head of sin and Satan. On the third day, he rose again. He came out of his grave. The stone was rolled away. The seals were broken. He was alive. He is alive. He has risen. He has risen indeed. He ascended into Christ, heaven. He went back to heaven where he could have easily stayed the whole time, surrounded by perfection and peace. Instead, he humbled himself and took on the cross and went head to head with evil in one. And he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He watches over us and listens to us all the time. He shines a light on our path and carries us through the dark valleys. He loves us and cares for us. He will come to judge the living and the dead. That's right, he did all that for us. We mocked him and ridiculed him and scoffed at him and hated him, and he died so that we can be with him for eternity. And when that day comes, we will forever dwell with the Lord who loves us in perfect perfect happiness and harmony forever and ever. Amen.
0: Thank you, Ryan. Aiden Tuzik.
2: Hi, my name is Aiden Tuzik, and I'm here to speak about how awesome God's grace is. First of all, God's grace is so amazing because in Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3, we hear of our sad state and guilt of objects of God's wrath. We deserve to be punished by God, but instead we are saved from his wrath because of his grace. Also, his grace is amazing because we see evidence of it in our everyday lives. A common misunderstanding is that we earn God's salvation by our obedience. This this misunderstanding is not just common, it is the unspoken assumption of many people. In the story of a woman who poured perfume on Jesus' feet, uh, Jesus said, he who is forgiven little, loves little. The opposite of the story, which is the whole point, is he who forgives much, loves much. This woman had become painfully aware of her sin and had received assurance from Jesus of her forgiveness, so she loves all because of Jesus. When even when we don't deserve it, God showers blessings on our lives like a dear father or mother who loves their children. We, sh- instead of looking for ways in people that we shouldn't bless them, we should just look for ways to bless them whether they deserve it or not. The Bible is filled with evidence of God's grace for our salvation. In Romans nine verse sixteen, it says, "It does not." Therefore, depend on desire or effort, but on God's mercy. In Romans 3, it says, there is no one righteous, not even one. So there it is, evidence that we cannot be saved by our own works. Rather, we need God's grace. And so the passage continues. But now, righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which law and the prophets testify. Jesus. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is God's answer to our problem of sin. His grace in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus was perfect and through faith we too are considered righteous, all because of God's grace. All these reasons show how God's grace is so amazing. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Aiden. Madison Pearl.
3: My favorite verse of the Bible is Psalms 23, 2-4. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He leads me down the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. I chose this passage because it proves that God is with us always. When it says, even though I walk through my darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, it shows that he is protecting us every second of the day. Yet, you may still be wondering, but why do bad things happen to us? That is a very hard question, but let me try and answer it from this verse. Yes, darkness and evil may come, but he will be with us always. And when those valleys do come, you can look up to him for strength and protection. But you may still be thinking, But what causes those dark valleys? Let's talk about sin. Sin tempts us to believe that life done God's way is boring. We need to take risks in life that God calls bad to make life fun. But sin never turns out to be good in the end, and sin is the reason for the valleys. God who is with us will lead us down the right path, even if that path seems boring. For God knows what is truly good for us now and forever. I am thankful that I am thankful that He has forgiven all the bad times I've chose the wrong path and haven't chose the right path. Because of His forgiveness, I know I'm on an amazing, uh, an amazing path to an amazing afterlife in heaven. My other favorite verse of the Bible is Psalms twenty, is Joshua one, verse nine. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you. Again, this shows that he is with us. And if we need help or protection, we can look up to him and pray. He is like a lamp in a dark forest or a mother who loves to hear from her child. This shows that he loves and cares for us. Thank you
0: thank you Edison. Natalie Martin
4: the Bible is one of many ways God uses so we might have or gain faith in him the Bible tells us that God is the creator we are his creation and he loves us unconditionally the Bible is the word of God not the word of men so that is that how you know that is how you know it is true it is made of two main teachings, law and gospel. Law teaches us that what to do and what not to do, and that we deserve eternal death because we are sinful. Gospel teaches us that we are saved by Jesus and that we have eternal life. This book is so important because it leads us to have hope that we have eternal life and, it w- and we have faith in him. Using and reading the Bible is a great way to connect to him, and praying is a great way to talk to him. The Bible is a way that you can learn a lot about Jesus and stories about the past that helps us know who we are and what or who we came from. The Bible has many life lessons in it that helps us understand that we are blessed to be here. There is a passage in the Bible for every emotion or feeling. For example, if you are feeling depressed, you can read Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things. This passage tells us that even through all the bad you need to think about all the good things that Jesus gives you in your life. If something is if someone is feeling suicidal and they read passages like these they can save their life. If you are trying to overcome anger you can read Ephesians 4:26 and 27. Don't sin, don't sin by letting anger control you and don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger is a foothold to the devil. This passage tells us that you can't let anger control you because you might do something that you do not want to do and sin. In the Bible, there is a total of 31,000 verses, so there has to be one verse for every occasion. The most common and important teaching of the Bible is the forgiveness Jesus our Savior gives us each and every day. The Bible is such an important book because it teaches us a lot of things. You can gain your faith in God by reading it, and you can connect and talk to God, and it helps us understand who we are and where we came from.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. James Mangan. What it
5: means to me that Jesus is my Savior, it means that no matter how often I sin, if I believe in Jesus, I can get into heaven and have an eternal life. If Jesus wanted to die on the cross, And took away all my sin, I would have gone to hell instead of heaven because I have sinned. In the Bible in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So this brings me great comfort because I know I'm not perfect. But I have a spot in heaven simply because I believe in Jesus. Also, I don't have to worry about spending eternity tortured in hell, when said, get to go up to heaven where all pain and sorrow is gone. Even though my am sinner, Jesus lived a perfect life for me so that the only requirement to get into heaven is to believe in Jesus. Jesus also brings me comfort because no matter if someone tries to lead me down the wrong path in life, Jesus will always be there to lead me down the right path. The best thing for me to do is to take any issue to God in prayer. Uh, Jesus always listens when I ask for forgiveness or, or to listen when I ask. When I, pr- when I pray for something, oh, Jesus always listens and always gives you an answer, even though I mean it may not be the one you expect. Another comfort is that no matter what struggle I have in life, Jesus is always with me. I've had a lot of medical struggles in my life, starting even at birth and then continue today. But I have to know that my that my Savior is is beside me, and I have to count Him for support. Sometimes they ask why they happen to me, but I have to know that my, I have to know that my Savior is with me and will guide me. In the Bible, in Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own standing. Sometimes it is hard not to worry. I need to remember that Jesus is there in good times and in bad. Jesus is always there to listen. Jesus is always there to help me through my struggles, no matter if it's in medical, in school, or in sports. Life has thrown me several curveballs, but I know I just need to trust in my Savior and believe in Jesus because Jesus has always been with me, is always with me and will always be with me. He is a coach dad there, 24/7. To Jesus is my savior, means everything to me.
0: Thank you, James. Melanie Chalupka.
6: Hi, I'm going to talk about God's Word. The, The Bible is such a great book for many reasons. It serves as a guide to life, it sets morals, and is the end of all love stories and a great mystery. It is the guide to life by giving us the Ten Commandments along with God's wisdom for us to respect and appreciate all he has given us. In trusting God and his Word, this allows us to obey and rely on his direction. First of all, the Bible gives us comfort. In many ways throughout the Bible, we can see we are taken care of by God. We are the flock of sheep and he is the shepherd to take care of us and lead us out of danger. Because of our knowledge of this through the Bible, we can be at ease throughout life in all our struggles no matter how large, God will carry them for us. Secondly, the Ten Commandments are in the Bible which tell us how to conduct ourselves, inherently giving us structure in our lives, which we can never follow perfectly because we are born sinful human beings. This leads us to our third great part of the Bible, God's grace. The Bible tells us of God's grace onto, shed onto us many times to remind us that we are his redeemed children by his love, no one else's. In addition, only he can give us true relief through the Bible. Numerous accounts of the Lord telling us not to worry and to trust him that we will be taken care of are in the Bible also. <clears throat> we know because of the Bible that we are God's children and we can be certain we will forever be provided for somehow in life. Also, the Bible offers a great sense of compassion. What Jesus did for our transgressions, all while being innocent, is one of the greatest sacrifices through love of all. The love of God, the love God has for us that he sent his one and only son into an imperfect world for him to die painfully for our sake gives us the ability to love others too. Lastly, the Bible offers a great sense of mystery and hope. As heaven is described, in his word, we're able to slightly grasp it, but we will never truly know. Heaven's description also aids our imaginations when we contemplate what God is preparing for us and the many people who are there for eternity after their earthly life and death, just like we will be someday.
0: Thank you, Melanie. Bella Bloomer.
7: very scheduled person. When I wake up each morning I have to have my entire day planned out before I go downstairs and even think about eating breakfast. When I go to school I have to know the exact order of subjects we'll be having before we start class. Even when I go to the library I plan the exact order of where and when I'll be picking up my books. These minor plans that I make in my head are very important to me. If any one of my precious plans gets messed up, oh no, Bella is about to take a trip to panic town. Trademark, I always worry about the future, whether the future means in two minutes, two hours, or two decades. I always worry about where I'll be, what I'll do, and if I'll have enough. So to reassure myself of the future, I create these minor plans in my head about what I think will be good, or what I think will work out, of course, there's a major flaw in this thought process. I'm not in control. I create these silly plans for myself about the future when I'm not even in control of my future. When it feels I'm not in control, it can be terrifying. But then I stop myself. I remember, wait, Bella, isn't there somebody who's got this all figured out? And then I look heavenward and ding, a light bulb goes off in my head. Oh! Yeah! God, who is powerful beyond all measure and loves me with all of his heart, has got my future figured out. No need to worry about the plans of the day. God's got this. As it says in Jeremiah, he knows the plans he has for me plans to give me hope and a future. I'm so glad that the God who has my future figured out is a loving God who has forgiven me and called me his child. Even if a day was absolutely awful, Was God still in the day, and does he love me? Yes, that's all that matters. Of course, the future is overwhelming, because as I often worry, what if my future life is awful? Then I need to remember that this earth isn't my home anyway. Heaven is probably one of my favorite promises of God. Our citizenship is not on this earth. As Dad talked about in his sermon, I mean, it's an amazing place with the finest of meals. I'm excited. I love food. And it will be an eternal place of partying. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Even if our future life on earth is awful, as it says in Romans, the sufferings of our present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. So I'm confident that my heavenly future is going to work out. Even though the plans that I make are uncertain, there is one good plan that I've made. I plan to stay a Christian. I plan to hear from him regularly through worship and Bible study, hearing that my sins are forgiven. I am at peace. I plan to live a life dedicated to Christ, serving him in love, not in vain. I plan to, if it is the Spirit's calling, become a missionary one day and tell others about God's amazing plan of heaven. I would love to live my life to God's glory. My end goal is to one day enter heaven and hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Bella. Grace Atherton.
8: One day, Peter asked Jesus a question about forgiveness. He said, Lord... How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? But Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. That conversation between Peter and Jesus can be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. When Jesus said not seven times, but 77 times, he didn't actually mean only forgive people 77 times. What that passage refers to is that we should always forgive those who have wronged us. There is no limit to forgiveness. I'm pretty sure you all know the golden rule, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated or love your neighbor as yourself. But sometimes that can be hard to do. I get it. We all have those moments where we just want to yell at someone because they've been annoying you. But that isn't the right thing to do. Just imagine, Jesus had those annoying moments too. He could have chosen to yell at the annoying person, but instead he chose to show kindness and compassion to them. Jesus died on the cross to forgive all of our sins. That is proof that we should forgive others of their sins. That's why I am confident of his love. There he shows that there is forgiveness for all of us. The conversation between Peter and Jesus and The golden rule are in my favorite Bible passage, Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Because sometimes, life can get you down. But knowing that Jesus has forgiven all of your sins can really help perk you up. In first grade, I learned a song to this Bible passage. It goes like this. Be kind and compassionate, be gentle-hearted too. Forgive one another as God forgave you. These words are very simple, they're also very true. They are found in the Bible, Ephesians 4, verse 32. That song has helped write that Bible passage on my heart, and I hope it will do the same for all of you.
0: So very powerful to hear again these same truths from our confirmants. And at this time, I'm going to invite the to please stand. And a few words about confirmation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord Jesus said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am always with you to the very end of the age. So in obedience to the Lord's command, you've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You've been taught the precious truths of the Christian faith as confessed by the Lutheran Church and taught here at Amazing Love. You know what God has given you by His grace and what He expects of you as His dear children. You now have the privilege of receiving the Lord's body and blood in the sacrament of the Holy Communion. And now, lift up your hearts to God and joyfully answer these questions. Do you this day in the presence of God in this congregation acknowledge that in baptism God gave you forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation? If so, answer, I do. I do. do you reject the devil along with all his lies and empty promises? If so, answer, I do. I do. Do you believe all the books of the Bible to be the inspired word of God? If so, answer, I do. I do. do you believe the teaching of the Lutheran Church? As you have come to know it from the Catechism and from Axis class, do you believe it is faithful and true to the Word of God? If so, answer, I do. I do. Do you intend, then, to continue steadfast in the teaching, to even endure all things, even death, rather than fall away from it? If so, answer, I do, and I ask God to help me. I do, and, I ask God to help. and then finally, do you faithfully... Intend to conform your life to the teachings of God's Word. To be faithful in the use of Word and Sacrament, and in faith and action, remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as long as you live. If so, answer, I do and I ask God to help me. I do and I ask God to help me. At this time, um, any parents and maybe godparents are invited to stand as well. So, parents and godparents, if you are here, Uh, Parents and godparents, it is good that we have brought up these young people in the training and instruction of the Lord. Being confirmed in the Christian faith is reason to rejoice, and yet their training is not finished. No, it's just begun. So will you continue to assist them in whatever manner possible, so that they may remain children of God until death? If so, answer, I do and I ask God to help me. Thank you very much. May be seated. And now, time to receive your confirmation verses. So, Grace Atherton, can I call you, call you here? And I know that's your nickname, Kathleen May Grace Atherton, right? Mary, Mary. I know that's a good name. That's a good name. I know a good Mary. I've been doing confirmation for a while, and you are the first one to have ever sung. Congratulations. (laughs) That's bold. Yeah. Uh And what is very evident, Grace, is that you are a light in this world. And I'm so excited for how God is going to use you going forward. But more than any songs you sing, and more than anything that you do, is I want you to know God's heart. And uh, I want you to know what God is doing over you. Do you know he sings over you? The prophet Zephaniah, he said this. And so, hear your confirmation verse. It is this The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. This is our God. Congratulations, Grace. <laughs> Bella Bloomer. I know you young lady i love you and i'm proud of you Um, it is clear that again you love other people and it is clear that god is going to use you uh, no matter what those plans are but as much as you try to serve him as much as the love that that you give other people i wish that for you all your days you would just rest in him see you know his love But the rest of your life, I hope you get on this journey where you experience that this journey only gets better. He loves you more than you thought yesterday and the day before and the day before. I know you know his love. May you be rooted in it and continue the journey of seeing just how much he's done for you, regardless of what we accomplish. Your passage is from Ephesians. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and this for you. Congratulations, (laughs) fella. Melanie Chalupka, you did an awesome job today. And it's so great to hear again of how the Word does guide us in life. You know, I love talking about all the different worldly influences. I remember speaking to you during break time, and sometimes we have that exercise, what's wrong with that pop song? And just hearing all those different voices, right? Well, out of all the voices we could hear, um, I want to make sure that you, again, always hear the voice of Jesus in your life because he's going to guide you the best. And so your confirmation verses, some familiar verses from Psalm 23, it is this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He's a great leader. Follow him. Absolutely. James Mangan. What a privilege it's been to walk with you, James. I still remember uh, Christmas for kids back in the day. Uh, you were just a little knee high and, uh, and knew the love of Jesus even then. And what's interesting about uh, life is that, yeah, we do go through a lot of different things, a lot of troubles, a lot of hardships. Jesus even said, you know, be careful, in this world you're a lot of trouble. Your confirmation essay was so powerful, James. I was crying during practice. And uh, no matter what you uh, have going on in your life, I I hope you find the refuge in Jesus. I hope you find the rest in him. I hope that, that that rest comes in many good days, even through the bad days and maybe days in between. I hope you hear his voice that says from Matthew, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. And I'll always give you rest. Congratulations, James. Natalie Martin, such a privilege to walk with you in Axis class. And uh, we are going to have the need for comfort no matter what age of life, no matter where we are. God is called our refuge. And so we can come to him in times of trouble and find, again, safety protection. God is the one who loves us first and best. And so I wanted to share with you a just very powerful picture of both his comfort and also how he views you. From Psalm 17, it says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. That's what you are to God. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. He is your comfort and your protection. Addison Pearl. Addison, I was paying attention to your essay. I know that Psalm 23 was up there as far as your favorite verse but if it's okay, I wanted to give you a new one. Because in life, we have so many identities. We have the identity as child, as student, as as a daughter of of our our parents, right? And and depending on the day, we don't always do that well in our identity. Depending on the day, we don't do that well as a student or a sibling or uh, even as a child in our parents' household, right? We all deal with that. So I wanted to give you and I want to remind you you rock solid what your firm identity is. It's accomplished by Jesus and it's his child of God. And because of that identity, regardless of how much we get right or wrong, you have confidence over the love of Jesus in your life. You have confidence of the right standing because of that identity. Your confirmation verse, First John 3, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are, that is what you are, Addison Pearl. (laughs) Aiden Tuzik. Man, buddy, I'm gonna miss walking beside you. We've had a lot of fun. Laser tag, talking about AirPods and Gucci sandals. Yeah, (laughs) still don't have them. Um, And I just recognize, man, uh, you're a joy to be around. life is going to bring a lot of different opportunities for you. Uh, You'll have opportunities for great friendships, to do a lot. You can write your script, man. Um, Play hockey, do so much, right? But of all the options of what to do and where to go, I hope you remember the significance of what we talked about. And I hope you remember the significance of Jesus, who stands out above every other option, every other person, every other opportunity. Because it's only him that has the words of eternal life. Only him that is preparing that eternal home by his side. So I hope you say with Peter, out of all the options, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. May you stick by him, Aiden? Congratulations. <clears throat> and Ryan Witt. Ryan, you're an impressive young man. I've been in men's group uh, many years, and I think you are the first eighth grader to have ever come to our men's group. (laughs) And you did well. I mean, God has given you such an old soul to not only know what he said, but then to live it out and to know just how good he is. Ryan, God's going to use you. And he's going to be our power. He's going to be our strength when times get us down. Because of the exceptional way that he's working in your life right now, I want this verse to guide you. It's from 1 Timothy. Is he? He's getting encouragement uh, from Paul. And it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. I'd rather, set an example for believers in speech and conduct, in love and faith and in purity, all through the power of the Holy Spirit who works mightily in you, Ryan Witt. Congratulations. <laughs> And so at this time, I'm going to invite the confirmands. You can go and have a spot by your family. You made it. You made it. And I'm going to invite the congregation to please stand. And uh, we're going to pray.